The Sportzilla Show starts now. They do set the three to be able to pass on third and long. Steps up. Now heaves deep ball on the right side. Underneath it is Christian. Catch his man. Inside the five. Dragging it into the end zone. Touchdown from 59. Allen under center. Takes it. Turns. Gore. Driving forward into the end zone. Touchdown. 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 Buffalo Frank Gore drove his way into the end zone for the touchdown. And the Bills get the lead back again with a minute 50 to play. Jones takes the snap. Back to throw. Steps up. He's going to run. Jones to the five. Touchdown Giants. Daniel Jones on a seven-yard run on a fourth and five from the seven. And the Giants have tied it up with 116 to go. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Our friend Seth Goldberg from Sports Nation and numerous other programs on ESPN Radio here. Stole our lead, but that's all right. We can still talk about the Yankees. I think it's appropriate to mention the ALCS. Nothing but love for you, Seth. Watched the game last night with a couple of beverages. And, boy, Garrett Cole... Through eight innings. I mean, he's out there a long time compared to a lot of pitchers these days. And, boy, he's just unhittable. Isn't that something we talked about yesterday, that you just aren't seeing a lot of good old-fashioned aces starting pitchers going deep into games? It just doesn't happen And if anymore. we would have had, you know, the Yankees would have had a guy at first base, it would have been a two-run shot. But, I, you know, I want to see that play at first base again. I watched it probably four or five times last night, and I still wasn't really sure. I guess they say the tag actually got him before he got to the bag. But, you know, I'm looking at his foot come off the bag. Does he have the ball before it gets there? Does does the runner's foot get there? I had, you know, boy, that was there was a lot of stuff going on. Even watching five replays, I was not sure what happened. So I had a moment of actual empathy with an umpiring crew. I had wishful thinking, Scoop, that the Yankees were going to win that game. I did. And now Yankees fans, some are fatalists and they want to jump off a cliff and it's over and you, there's no way you can beat them and you're going to have to face Garrett Cole again. You never know. He could still have a bad day. There's now a readjustment in the pitching rotation for the Yankees due to today's rain out where they're going to get probably their best playoff starter, which is Masahiro Tanaka. He's probably going to go. And I don't, I don't know what you do after that. I mean, you go back to James Paxton. What did you do to his confidence when you took him out in the previous game? In what the two two innings and change? Eesh. I mean, they can beat him. They've still got an amazing offense. They've still got Glaber Torres, who's proving to be clutch. They're not getting anything out of Edwin Edwin and Carnacion scoop. He's disappeared. Didi Gregorius hasn't done much. Giancarlo Stanton could possibly pinch hit. We'll see his status in playing the field. That's not happening. Gary Sanchez has been non-existent. Aaron Judge has been doing some Aaron Judge things. But, yeah, they've got the starting pitching to answer your question with my long-winded answer. Well, you know, hey, you could beat Garrett Cole. I mean, uh, last time that happened, it was uh, May 22nd, 9-4 loss to the Chicago White Sox. May 20. That is a while ago, isn't it? It's been a minute, yeah. As, As they say, it's been a minute. It's been quite a while. It's been days, weeks, oh, months, I'm sorry. It's been months now since anybody's beat that guy. Yeah, I mean, I understand you're you're nervous. You have a little bit of anxiety if you're a Yankees fan. But look what they did in game one. They can beat this team. They have the offense. A guy, One guy's got to get hot. One guy's got to get a key hit at the right time. A couple guys, 
couple guys on base here or there. You've seen situations. Neither team has been fantastic overall with runners in scoring position. And you have to say to yourself, I think George Springer was one that popped out to me. If you look at his numbers, boy, um, when is he due? And that's a guy that can clearly hit the ball. He hit the home run the other day. Both teams, I mean, you're going to just have guys. You have a couple of bad games here. You have a couple of bad games there. It's just an inopportune time is really what it is. It's just not that key moment that you're hoping. But this isn't a game in the middle of May against the Kansas City Royals. This is another 100-win team. These are two good teams. They really are. And the Yankees obviously rely a lot on their bullpen. The Astros like that starting pitching. But Adam Adovino, uh, 9 of 18 hitters he's faced have reached base and he was, in the postseason. And he was lights out. The reason they signed him, he's been lights out the past couple of seasons. He was money all year for the Yankees. Aaron Boone, as always, protects his players and has said, we're still going to go to the guy. I don't know if you're going to go maybe in the high leverage situations because you have Green, you have Canely, you have some guys that have been performing thus far. But he's going to pitch. You're going to need Adam Adovino to win the ALCS, let alone to go on to the World Series and win that. That's... That's too far away right now to even think about. You've got business at hand tomorrow. You've just got to win tomorrow. You've got to focus, just like we talked about in our conversation about about Coach Babers, about Dino Babers with Syracuse football. The focus is Pittsburgh on Friday. Well, the focus is just beat whoever's throwing tomorrow for the Houston Astros and win that game, even it up at 2-2. Two and two. Then you got another game in the Bronx before you even worry about Houston. We always get so far ahead of ourselves, Scoop. It's crazy. How much of a sinking feeling did you have last night when Jose Altuve hit that first pitch out of the park? Oh, I I mean, come on. Is that how we're going to start? That's the first thing I'm thinking. Am I allowed to say the word that I said (laughs) out loud when I, when I saw that? First you say it, then you do it. Yeah, I cannot. I was, you got, I was like, you got to be kidding me. It was like when Sam Darnold from the Jets on the first, his, his first drive is the quarterback for that team throws the pick six. And you ask Jet fans, they're like, no, I wasn't worried about it at all. Of course you were worried about it. You were petrified about it. You were like, this is a terrible thing to see. Nobody, that's just not something that you want to see happen when it's your team, your guy, whatever, especially in that situation. Elevated, of course, because yes, Scoop, it is playoff baseball. Can I, uh, can I deflect from that and maybe we can revisit that in just a second? Cause I want to, sure. I want to look at a couple other things in Major League Baseball and just point this out. Some things since the last time the Sportzilla show was on the air here on ESPN radio 97.7 and 100.1. The Angels have hired Joe Madden. The five year run ended with the World Series, broke the 108 year drought with the Cubs. He said, I still got a few good years left in me. And that's what he signed for with the Angels. That's where he started out as the bench coach for a long time for Mike Sosha, who had a, it was a 20-year-plus run for the Angels. That's a great hire for that franchise who has been terrible with the exception of basically Mike Trout. And things could turn a little bit now that Joel Madden is there. I love everything about him, the way he connects and bonds with his players and manages a team. It is He's one of a kind in the game. He truly is. He's a very eccentric guy, and I, there's something about him that those players, they love him. They'll run through a wall from look what the sustained run of success. Well, first of all, that he had and what he did in Tampa, laying the groundwork for what Tampa is now and the way they run that franchise. You know, he's a direct result of that or it's a direct result of Joel Madden being there and working with their upper management. And then, of course, he goes to the Cubs with an unprecedented run for the Cubs in their history. Think about it. I mean, it's been awful to be a Cubs and they've they won a World Series and they've been there for the last five years 
he's partly responsible for that turnaround. So you have to expect the same thing with the Angels. Well, they're, the Angels are looking for relevance. Yes. And in that market, it's which is not a sports market, if you've ever been there or vacationed there, been there for a week, okay, yeah, there's a lot of Lakers fans out there and there's a sizable number of Dodgers fans, but we all know that that's the place where football franchises go to die. All right? And... People are more excited about a movie premiere and celebrity watching in L.A. I mean, I'm sorry. You get out of the airport, you get in the cab, and the cab driver's telling you about a screenplay he's written. You go to a restaurant, and the girl waiting on you, she's a, an actress trying to get roles. That's right. And so the Angels are trying to cut through all that, try to get some fans, some people who might be Dodgers fans, or just get people interested in baseball there in general because – Attendance is off. Now, he's a manager. Will that put any fannies in the seats? Maybe a few. He's definitely, at least as far as Major League Baseball, he, he's star power. He, he's a marquee name as far as managers I, go. I also think he can probably get the most out of what they have. You're exactly right. All right. Howie Kendrick, as far as the National League, wins the MVP for the NLCS the Nationals destroy St. Louis. They're moving on to the World Series. They've got some time off. But in case you missed it, this was the moment that it happened yesterday. In the air, center field. This should do it. Robles will squeeze it. And there it is. The Washington Nationals are National League champions. And I hate to bring up Bryce Harper, but everybody's done that. He's been getting trolled a little bit. First of all, remember when he said Memi, Mimi, whatever that was yeah, instead yeah, of memes? Yeah. <laughs> but Bryce Harper, in his initial press conference at the beginning of the season, after he left the Nats and went to the Phillies, and his former team obviously is now where they are, he kind of sort of maybe, maybe he stated it was going to happen. Did you hear the, remember the mishap in the press conference and what he had said? He sits down, Philly's hat. Yeah, he alluded to being a national, uh, I, I think, and not realizing geographically where he was. He said, quote, we want to bring a title back to D.C. Whoops, I'm in Philly right now. That's not good. Well, guess what? Well, uh, you know, that's kind of funny now because it could happen. It really could happen. They did. They're the first team or the fourth team in baseball, fourth team in baseball history. Let me make sure I've corrected that. That's reached the World Series after being at least 12 games below 500 during the regular season. And only the 1914 Braves actually went on to win the World Series. You haven't had a World Series game in D.C. in a long time, man. And 1933. People are also. The last time. They're also joking that this could be with Washington at one point being the Expos franchise. And then if the Yankees make it also then you could have that 1994 Expos Yankees World Series that those were the two best teams in the league, one of the American League, one of the National League, obviously, during that strike-shortened season that ended, if I think it was in August, if memory serves. Could you imagine that? I mean, there's all sorts of crazy, weird, fun tie-ins and little tidbits that you can dig out to add a little juice to this stuff. With the Nationals advancing to the World Series, that leaves only one team that has never played in the Fall Classic. Can you guess who that is? Seattle Mariners. Seattle Mariners. And I can tell you, I, I know that, and I trolled somebody who works <laughs> on the home of the New York Yankees, where those games are broadcast. Our brother station, TK, a uh, guy named, uh, we call 
because they call him Bender on the air. We'll leave it at that. But we had a little bit of fun with him. Uh, he goes, oh, we've got plenty of decades left in life for, for them to actually get to a World Series. The only team. That's crazy if you think about it. And a little more perspective. Consider that the Nationals on May 23rd, one day, by the way, after Garrett Cole last lost a game. On May 23rd, the Nats were 12 games under 500. Yeah. 10 games out of first place in the National League East. So it, it really is kind of magical when you hear ma- uh, Manager Dave Martinez says, often bumpy roads. Lead to beautiful places. Well, yeah, that was a great quote. I saw that quote. And you can't, you can't forget. And, and some people I've seen on social media going, Oh, Syracuse has got to jump on the fact that Pat Corbin's from here. Well, of course we do. When somebody from your own backyard is achieving this level of success, it was a major free agent signing. And guess what? He's part of a pitching staff, an outstanding pitching staff, especially starting pitching staff. Then guess what? He was part of the reason they just made it to the World Series. So we're proud of Pat Corbin, excited for his family. Yeah, he grew up a Yankees fan, and I was bummed out he didn't become a Yankee, but that's the way it works. Garrett Cole at one point was drafted by the Yankees. He grew up a lifelong Yankees fan. Not everybody ends up on the Yankees. They don't get every player, contrary to what you think. Can I just point out one last thing? Because I think we just got the signal from our producer, Matt, that we're up against. About two minutes ago. Yeah, we did. But Luis Severino has had a problem with pitch tipping before. And I just, I told you I wanted to quick revisit this whole Yankees nonsense. They're saying that, well, first of all, Houston is kind of known for being very good at detecting little things within a pitcher's delivery. And they say that Luis Severino could have been pitch tipping again the other day. And they might be extracting the pitch sequence from other guys on, in the Yankees bullpen or starting pitching. I always find it funny Gamesmanship. That, that they call it uh, tipping pitches, but, you know, the batter is a part of that. The batter is smart enough to pick up something, to mm-hmm. learn something, you know, so the batter's a part of that. Scoop, I'm Rain. This is the Sportzilla Show. We are going to talk uh, about a certain guy related to the Syracuse Orange basketball team we'll be talking to, and another one that I also think that we're going to be talking to, and a funny story about that guy. Next up, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. And lo and behold, we're going to have GMAC joining us beginning Mondays on what would be October the 29th. Something to look forward to. Going to do a little SU talk right about now. Of course, big game football-wise Friday versus Pitt. And just a funny story about Coach Beheim that uh, made me chuckle. I love it. And I just, he's so sassy. Yeah, I kind of like it. Smart Alec. A little curmudgeon y at times. It's okay. I think that's the word that's used occasionally. And, you know, he's, he's got a lot of belief in himself. But he, he, there's a public Beheim, and then there's sometimes when you get behind the scenes a little bit, or you, you get him in, in a little bit more of a relaxed, comfortable setting, maybe when it's not with the premise of radio or being on TV or having an article written about him. Well, it's it almost an adversarial relationship yeah. when he's in front of a, a, a room full of press, and he gets asked about, you know, the zone or man-to-man for the 850th time. Well, he's... He busts my chops. I've interviewed him once a week every basketball season for literally two decades now, and he busts my chops. I mean, he gives me some crap once in a while, and it's fun. It's I like seeing that side of his personality. And anybody that knows him will tell you he's kind of he got a witty, biting sense of humor, and, and he has some fun. 
and he's not just a basketball coach. I mean, he's a husband, he's a father, uh, but he's a dude, man. And he, he did some things and he was in college at one point too. And then he had to start out somewhere before he became the legendary 44 year coach of Syracuse basketball, won us a national championship. And that's where you're going to drop the knowledge out of everybody, Scoop. Oh, he's got three championships as a quarterback. That's right. Yeah. Not only that, he's an undefeated quarterback. Did you know that? Now you do. Now, he led some squads to some intramural titles between 1967 and 69 as a graduate student. Uh, I think it's funny. You, he talks about he would just drop these plays and they just they they couldn't cover anybody. Yeah. You know, he'd always hit the open guy. You know, he would split two receivers to each sideline with two more players stationed halfway from the sideline to the middle of the field. He'd line up behind center. Every player eligible to go out for a pass. This is intramural football. They were undefeated. Unbeatable. And he, and, and he says, quote, if they sent two guys after me, I just hit whoever wasn't covered. If they sent one guy, whichever way he came from, they ran the other way. Fields were a little muddy, so they couldn't catch me. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> Undefeated. He never played football when he was in high school. The uh, Dick Blackwell, who was the basketball coach at Lions Central High where Bayheim played, he had prohibited, if you're on the basketball team, you can't play football. So then he played some basketball at SU. Did you know also that his hoops career ended against Duke in 1966's NCAA tournament in the East Regional Finals? No wonder he threw his coat on the court when he was down there. <laughs> Maybe it was just... The he, disgust goes back a long way. I've hated that program since the 60s. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. He got frustrated. Did Beheim wear the glasses while playing intramural football? Yeah, he's always worn the glasses. Yeah, he's always had the glasses. But I wonder about football. I know I've seen him, you know, wearing them as a basketball player. But yeah, I, I don't know if actually, you know, that's a great question. I can't verify that. I've never seen a picture of him playing intramural football. You know, he was also the golf coach. These are like little tidbits about Beheim. You learn through the years, but then you forget because some of those suits he used to wear look like they belong on a golf course. I think. I think. Uh, I like the suits now a lot better. Yeah, I think Julie's. I think Julie. I think he's even stated publicly that Julie's the reason for the upgrade in the more sartorial look. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit better uh, choice in suits. Now he's got some cool suits though with designs on the inside of the dome and things like that, and it, it's pretty spectacular. Yeah, so he invented an offense, and it cannot be stopped by anybody. Does that surprise you though? Because he never gets the credit, and I think we talked about this last week. Beheim never gets the credit. Well, he does within the coaching industry by his peers, but he doesn't get the credit for being the tactician, the X and O's guys, the X and O guy, how good at that he really is, especially in crunch time, drawing up plays. And he, he's just, he's, he's overlooked as, as far as that aspect of his coaching ability. So does it surprise you that he created an intramural offense that could not be stopped and was undefeated as far as football is concerned? I bet you there's somebody out there listening now going, you know, my kid's Pop Warner team would be really good with Jim Beheim as the head coach. Jim, can we consult? He might be a little busy, but maybe he'd do it. Maybe just for a game. Can we consult you, uh, <laughs> maybe a Statue of Liberty player, the Flea Flicker, or something like that? What do you got for us? I wouldn't be surprised if he was willing to do that. We forget he played semi-pro, and he was a damn good basketball player for a few years after. So he stayed in shape, and basically being in good shape, 
helped him out when he was the Tom Brady of Syracuse intramural <laughs> football. He was the GOAT. <laughs> I just think it's fantastic. So would his defense play zone or man-to-man? <laughs> well, we really only have comments here on the offensive side of the ball. So uh, we talked about Jerry McNamara joining us on the Sportzilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1 starting Monday the 29th. So clearly that's the subject. And, of course, maybe we're puckering up on, on the Heim. He'll join us here from time to time, and we can ask him these ask him these types of questions. It's about intramural football. He'd probably rather answer those questions, to be honest with you. Producer Matt, did you uh, have something to chime in there again? No, just two minutes. Oh, he's just letting yeah. us know how long that we can continue in our segment. We went off the deep end, but... Let's let's wrap this one up with something a little bit pop culture related because music is such a big part of the in arena experience in sports and they did announce Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees and and well, Sco- the nominees the yeah. nominees yes yeah and Scoop spent some time living his life out near the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland been there numerous times season ticket holder for the Browns so it makes sense that we share an opinion or two on this well, who's nominated well we've got Pat Benatar. The Dave Matthews Band, Depeche Mode, The Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, Judas Priest, Kraftwerk, MC5, Motorhead, Nine Inch Nails, The Notorious B.I.G., and I see Rufus featuring Chaka Khan, also Todd Rundgren, Soundgarden, T-Rex, and Thin Lizzy, 16 acts nominated. I love Soundgarden being included in there in Nine Inch Nails. Uh, I love the Dave Matthews Band, Depeche Mode, Whitney Houston absolutely deserves it, Judas Priest. I mean, there's there's some of these... That you can't argue with. There's others that because they're hip hop, certain people will say, "Oh no, it's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame." No, it's it's really a, a music hall that honors great music. Period for an extended time. If you stood the test of time and you make music, 25 years after that, you're eligible to be immortalized. Well, those people will probably need to look into the origins of the term rock and roll. Number one and number two, they're creating a hall that they're probably trying to cast a wider web out than just. The narrow tunnel vision idea of what rock and roll is. You can vote actually online at rockhall.com. And they were taking votes at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. They have a voice your vote thing going on. And the top three bands that people visiting the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame want to see inducted are Motley Crue, Blink 182, and Iron Maiden. None of those three nominated. And they were snubbed. I think, did we say Weezer? Because I don't think they ended up getting nominated. They're actually eligible, too, which kind of surprised me. And is Papa Roach eligible now? Did I see that on the list? It's got to be 25 years from your first album or some such. On the list, they could have nominated Bush, Jimmy World, At the Drive-In, Slater Kenny, Papa Roach, others. Half of those bands, the the Rock Hall people have no idea who they are. Yeah, it's just crazy. Silver Chair, Submary 3, President of the United States of America, some kind of obscure. I'm pretty sure somebody's going to have to explain to the 1,000 voters who the notorious B.I.G. is. All I can say is... A vast majority of these bands, you have heard their music in an arena somewhere witnessing a sporting event at some point in your life. Even if maybe you weren't there, it was played in the arena in the background while you're watching a game on TV. It's such a huge part of the sports experience. Pat Benatar, hit me with your best shot. Yeah, it really is. Wow. I mean, it's just a, it's a crazy list, and it could be debated for hours. I think we'll not do that, though, Scoop. Let's come back. We'll talk a little NFL, maybe a slice of NBA, something on A-Rod. And there is a couple of trades and an interesting quarterback named 
as a starter. That's next on the SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Through six games in the National Football League, Christian McCaffrey. Wow, look at these numbers. 162 touches, 923 yards, wow. nine touchdowns. He's a pinball. He plays with reckless abandon, and I suppose that catches up with him at some point. But you want to talk about having a monster year so far. There's 10 games left. Keep up this pace. Wow, where will he wind up? Yeah, I mean, is he going to slow down a little bit with depending on the competition in certain games? I mean, if we look through the schedule, is he going to keep up this pace? Because if he does... My goodness gracious, my Lanta, that is an all-time great season. He's on pace, man. The last three running backs to win MVP, Sean Alexander, 2005, Ladanian Tomlinson in 2006, Adrian Peterson, 2012. Having an amazing season. Just something out there about the NFL as we get a little closer to the weekend. My fantasy team loves that, by the way. Your fantasy yeah. team loves that, by the way? Oh, yeah. Please explain why, Producer Matt. All the yards that he's getting, all the touchdowns. Oh, you have. I oh, got yeah. You. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, no. Cam Newton. No problem. Now, now I'm on your wave. Like, yeah, there's a quarterback controversy happening uh, down there on that team too, but we won't go down that rabbit hole because there's other big news since the last time the Sportsilla show was on the air. Scoop Jalen Ramsey to the Rams. Oh yeah, he's he's overjoyed. To be a Ram. I'll read some of the quotes. Big, big day for me. I'm currently just walking outside right now, filled with joy, overjoyed right now. God is the greatest. God makes no mistakes at all. No mistakes at all. I've been so blessed. And let me add on to that to get away from Doug Marone. You think he's happy to get away from Doug Marone? <laughs> hey, he's not the coach at Syracuse anymore. We can say that for sure. Obviously, there were some difficulties there between the two, and he's overjoyed. Perhaps. Guess who the Jaguars got, though? Did you see this? 2020 first-round pick. It's out there. 2021 first-round pick. 2021 fourth-round pick. Rams grade on this trade. C, Jaguars, C+. There's been some other trades, but that was the big one. Does he make a big difference with the Rams this year? I don't know. He's got to learn some systems. It's different. He's got to incorporate himself into that team. The dude can clearly play. See if he's overjoyed after a few sacks. Is he the difference maker, ultimately? I'm not 100% sure. Jared Goff is his quarterback. Do you know who the backup is? Uh, please tell me. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles. Hey, hey welcome back his to Jacksonville. former quarterback. Welcome back to Jacksonville. It, I, I don't know if he's the game changer that they need. I just don't know if he is that guy. In other news, Scoop and Rain here on the SportsZilla Show at ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. A former Bills quarterback is getting the start in Miami after the bye week. Now the Bills get back after it. It's Miami and the Bills at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Fitz Magic is a joke. It's been pr- He's a smart guy, went to Harvard. I get all that. I understand. Far smarter than I am in that sense. But it. You know, he wins you a handful of games, and then all of a sudden it just comes tumbling and crashing down. He's proven that at every place that he's played. He almost led the Dolphins back. Oh, come on. <laughs> you expect what he really? <laughs> you know, you see, I saw one fan in uh, Miami wearing, wearing a, a shirt that or had a sign that said, please don't tank. And it had, you know, the Dolphin logo on it. Uh, by the way, Roger Goodell saying that they are not considering a draft lottery to combat tanking. Uh, quoting Roger, he says, the league is enjoying peak competitiveness. Okay, whatever. 
I don't believe a word that comes out of that guy's mouth after after the Ray Rice incident. He's like a uh, the worst spokesperson for some factory or a corporation that is like polluting your river. Do you do you think you know how the thing is at the draft to come out and and you, you boo him obviously, but then everybody gives him the hug and all that other stuff. You think at some point there's gonna be a guy that just goes, I can't stand you, Roger, and gives him a. A shot to the chops. I sure would love that, just if he would mouth off to him. He would be the most popular. You want to talk about jersey sales? Everybody would buy that guy's jersey if he did that. Whatever player does that, if it ever happens, I don't think it ever Hey, maybe an XFL player will do it. I'd buy his jersey. Absolutely. That's day two of the draft, by the way, that's happening. We've got to cobble together some rosters, see if there's any names on there any of us recognize and We'll go for maybe some former NFL players that are in there, guys trying to play their way back, Cardell Jones, uh, of course, Buckeye. he's yeah, former Buckeye. He was one of the quarterbacks. Remember when he, uh, he, he via Twitter, Twitter, he tried to get a date with uh, what's her face? The, the, the Ronda it, Rousey uh, with Ronda Rousey. Yeah. Did he really? Yeah. He actually hit on her via Twitter once. No kidding. Slid into the and DMs. She, <laughs> she was flattered and she, you know, she talked back to him, but. Oh, I essentially boy. said she was busy, I think. Yeah, I, I got other things going on. All right, well, that's that's it for the NFL right now. I wanted to bring up a couple other things. I wanted to touch on the NBA while we've got a second. They put out online the a pyramid of teams, the elite teams, and they broke this on down to who's a contender, maybe a playoff lock, and some other teams since you brought up tanking that are way at the bottom of the NBA. Lakers and Clippers, Lakers and Clippers on the top. What do you think? I'm just not sure what the Lakers are going to be. I, I have a lot of question marks about them. With you know, how good is LeBron going to be? I'm sure he's motivated to have a much better year than last year. But there's just I have so many questions about them. I mean, there's some teams that I just think are going to be good. I mean, the Warriors are going to be good. Uh, you know, anywhere Kawhi plays, they're going to be good. But I don't know about the Lakers. Lakers and the Clippers have the best odds or the highest odds to win the championship. Next next tier is Golden State, even with some obvious. So that means they have the best odds. Yes, they have the best odds okay. to win. Then you've got next tier is Golden State, Milwaukee, the Bucks. I get that. The 76ers, the Celtics are still in there. And the Houston Rockets, because obviously all the different moves that have been made as we're getting closer and closer to the beginning of the NBA season starting. These those are basically the teams that are most likely to win from those two tiers. Now, I wonder how much of those odds. I mean, you got two L.A. teams there and it's, a, you know, it's four hours from L.A. to Las Vegas. And if you've ever been to a sports book in Las Vegas, the action there on games is definitely influenced geographically by the proximity of those cities around it. You know, even when it comes to betting on an NHL game, you're going to, if you look at the Phoenix Coyotes, the Arizona Coyotes, you'll see some funky things there with regards to how everything is set up with the odds. And and I actually won some money that way because there's a lot of people coming in from Phoenix to Vegas putting money on the Coyotes, and it, it it inflated the odds one way or the other, and it just uh, it's not exactly a- accurate. It's more of a representation of where all the action is, all the money is, and they really and it fluctuates quite a bit, basically right up until game time with whatever sport that you're betting on for variant reasons, including that. Clearly, 
I'll give you a, I'll give you some playoff locks and and then I've got one more tidbit for you before we close out our segment scoop. The Jazz, the Miami Heat, the Nets, Portland, it looks like Indiana Pacers, Nashville and Toronto are considered playoff locks. And then you got a list of playoff contenders and your obvious teams that are tanking and terrible would include Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, Cleveland Cavaliers, your team and my New York Knicks. So it's going to be another one of those seasons. I can't wait to see what happens. I want to see how LeBron gels out in in with AD in Los Angeles. I want to see how Kawhi does. Some good basketball to be played for sure. But A-Rod, okay, let's wrap up the second. I want to jump back into baseball for a quick second while we've got a minute. He was talking about there, there's a lot of speculation that they're going to blow up the ESPN booth and make changes other than A-Rod. Of course, he's analyzing games in the playoffs right now. He gets a lot of lot, he's just A-Rod's always got something being written or said about him. They do that gauntlet now with him and Big Poppy. They you know they uh, they kind of walk them through the, the stadium to their little their little desk there. Yeah. And they, they always show that on camera now, which I always kind of get a kick out of. People want to high five him or Big Poppy or whatever, you know. Big Poppy, who is recover been recovering from a gunshot wound that we all know about. He actually poured vodka into Frank Thomas's water the other night, which was highly entertaining. <laughs> but A-Rod is in, in the news again because they had asked him about his suspension for PEDs back, I think it was 2014. And he said it was the best thing. I, and I've read stuff like this before, but it was they asked him again. So he, he just kind of reiterated that it was the best thing that ever happened to him. He spent a lot of lonely nights. He looked in the mirror and he... He became, he started the process of the repairing of his image that led him to where he is now. Because he's kind of likable now, and he's really good at analyzing games. He's a baseball savant. Dude, he blew it. He blew it. He's got to say the best thing that ever happened to him is J-Lo. It's going to be a lonely <laughs> night for A-Rod. <laughs> yeah, you might be right. You might be A-Rod right. and J-Lo. They both have abbreviated last names now. Hey, all I know is it means he's definitely going to be at the Super Bowl this year because she is. Well, unless they break up by then. Ah, they're celebrity games. relationships, you never know. They're going to make He'll be with Shakira by then. They're going to make it work. That would be fun. They're going to make it work, I promise you. <laughs> Tommy DeVito, the quarterback for Syracuse with his pit game pending, had an article written about him by Stephen Bailey at Syracuse.com, and we want to touch on a couple of things in that for our final segment. That's next on the SportsZilla Show, ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. It's the SportsZilla Show on ESPN Radio, 97.7 and 100.1. Here's Rain and Scoop. Friday, it's the RomanoCars.com Quad Show. SU and Pitt, Stephen Fonte and James Monroe live on the quad one hour before kickoff to break down the big game Friday. Crazy thing happened. When you're on the air and you're doing radio, I, I guess one of the perils of it is we're trying to engage in conversation, hope, hoping that people out there listening are latching on to what we're saying, agree or disagree. That's not really the point, but that we're... We're engaging in some some good conversation about topical things in sports, so you miss some stuff. So we've got producer Matt Page here and Tommy Hogan behind the scenes who help us out a little bit, and they brought to our attention Miles Flash Garrett. You know him well. From the Cleveland Browns. That's right. This is a fan. He tweeted this out. It just, just kind of popped out Maybe there. Maybe an hour ago. Yeah. A fan hops into his car to take a picture and then punched him in the face. He says, if you put your legs into it, you might have actually made me flinch. He says, yeah, the guy just stuck the camera in there, and for no reason, really, just 
assaulted him. I mean, that's crazy if you think about it. It sucks being a celebrity sometimes. Yeah, because you know? what can he do? Nothing. I mean, obviously, Miles Garrett could turn that guy into a postage stamp. But if he does that, then he, that guy is going out to the mailbox for a check every week the rest of his life. Yeah, Miles, And he didn't want that either. Miles Garrett's destroyed his professional football career and reputation. And, you know, he's going to probably, I'm sure he's filed a police report. I mean, I would if I was him, but... Uh, that's a little bit of a distraction uh, in your day when you're trying to focus on the New England Patriots, perhaps. Before we get everybody on the block with Brent X at the top of the hour, scoop and rain in here with that article by Stephen Bailey at Syracuse.com, who is a frequent contributor on this radio station. Talk a little bit about Tommy DeVito, the quarterback, heading into the pit game. He said a couple things that popped out to me in the article. It's available online, but said once Tommy got the ball in his hands, he played like somebody that was trying to protect his body. And you saw a different Tommy DeVito in the fourth quarter than in the first three quarters. And he said his overall analysis was that it was the first time that Tommy DeVito has had to play hurt. And now he kind of understands what it feels like. The coaches should know the offensive line's not going to improve, going to have pressure from all over the place. Maybe they will. You hope they will. But you hope they get more on the same page because there was times where they, you could tell they were looking at one another going, uh, what did we do wrong there? What was your assignment? What was my assignment? But Pittsburgh's defense, as we had talked about the other day, is notorious for, and it's known, I mean, they've scouted this, they blitz, 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 they bring the pressure. Maybe if you call certain plays with the running game, that does open up some holes. You get that established if, a little bit if, more. If if they can run, they haven't been able to really get a good running game. Going. Or is another option something we've brought up to Mike McAllister, who's a frequent contributor as well, where and I had asked him this before: Do you incorporate more of the tight ends? Do you use Hackett? Do yes. you use Luke Benson? Do they become viable pass catching targets? That's part of Stephen Bailey's analysis in here, and I think he's onto something because three wideouts and eight defenders has been a losing formula thus far. I think Stephen's onto something. I think it's great analysis. Do we see more of the Tommy DeVito of the first three quarters or of quarter four, where he's a little more fearless with his legs and running? There you go. That's the question. I think. That is the question, and I think they're going to get answered on Friday night. I guess we don't know until we play the game. That's the SportsZilla show for today's Scoop and Rain. We'll be back again tomorrow at 3 ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.